Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, super producer extraordinaire and a man that is now Fresh off celebrating his anniversary, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? <sighs> Nothing much, Mike. Uh, fresh off some sex. No, I'm joking. Um, just um, <laughs> just some dinner. <laughs> just some dinner. <laughs> just we have kids. <laughs> congrats on the sex. Um, congr- congrats you. to the uh, wonderful man who runs the Out of Context Gojo account for now getting to reset the Brandon being horny on main meter. <laughs> At zero days without an incident. Um, We got a great show for you guys today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. tab. Uh, We appreciate everyone that has gone over and see the visual visual product that we're trying to put on. We're going to keep trying to make that better and better as we go along here. Awesome show coming up today. We have got a lot of people mad online about the World Baseball Classic. Um... We have certainly got our fair share of March Madness headlines to get to. Michael Jordan running from the grind and Jimmy Butler (laughs) using music as punishment. So, uh, Brandon, before we get to all that, though, March Madness is where we have to start. And I didn't realize how pervasive the basketball feeling was 
having the first day of March Madness kicking off yesterday got me so hyped that I went back and actually looked and noticed that my high school basketball team is getting ready to play in the state championship this weekend. So even high school March Madness has taken over my life. I had no idea how they had done or what the record was this season. And now as Northwest Catholic gets set to take on our rival East Catholic for the first time Mm. ever in a state championship game at Mohegan Sun down in Uncasville, Connecticut on March 18th. Very excited for the Lions and hoping they can pull it off there. John Marabello, whose name is on the court at Northwest Catholic, all-time great coach. He actually, like, cool for us, got to be one of the coaches in the McDonald's All-American game a few years ago, so has gotten the national recognition he deserves for being a baller out there. So salute to Coach Marabello on that one. But that's how deep the basketball is running right now. The basketball is running deep in the CT, though. Hey, listen, we were a basketball school. We were good at football when I was there. We've been a basketball school. People who know, know, which is very few people because this is Central Connecticut High School basketball. So uh, in your high school, basketball was treated like football in Texas and Florida? Uh, As close as you were going to get to that. No sports received that level of treatment, but if you were going to get close, it was going to be on the basketball team there. But it, it... this is now March for those reasons. All yes. that excitement. And you and I were talking about this before the show. Walking into March Madness, whether you're just a general fan of the sport, just a person who likes to fill out brackets for an office pool, outside mm-hmm. of adults playing golf, like amateurs playing golf, is the place where people walk in with the most unearned confidence of expectations in the world of sports. Like, most of us haven't watched a ton of college basketball going into yeah. March. Because if there's it's, any tournament, by the way, that does not re- re- like reward you for knowing a lot right. about your sport, it's this one. For all the reasons yes. that we're going to talk about in a sport where chaos and upsets and the math almost always throw some funk into this, I see very little reason. Like, the people who watch college basketball all year round just have to flat out love it. Because if you're watching it to try and grain some sort of edge when it comes to the postseason, it's a right. fool's errand because this is all a crapshoot. Mike, like many years in the past, my bracket is busted day one. It's I, the one of the big mistakes and or big upsets happened. And I had Arizona in the final in the final game, national championship game. This is this is all shambles. Like I can't even, you, like you talked about the confidence walking into it. Just like you're pissed off that you didn't, you know, score a seventy or shoot a seventy when you're playing golf. Like I'm still upset that I don't know college basketball, regardless of the fact that I haven't watched any of it. Year, That's what I mean. Year. It's unearned arrogance with these brackets. We get our hopes built up the same way me, who plays golf maybe seven times a year, somehow still slams my club head into the ground after I inevitably shank four shots in a hole and just end up playing right along the cart path because that's where I'm whooping my balls ass to. I somehow still get mad, even though I, a person who put my 10,000 hours in to be okay in a different sport, have put nowhere near that much work into golf or into studying college basketball. You walk into both situations with all of this unearned arrogance. It's incredible. Yeah, I just like random love for specific teams and or just dumb strategy. Like on one half of the bracket, Mike, I just picked all upsets outside of some, you know, Houston chalk. You know what? With that in mind, Brandon, 
why don't we get to it as we cover college basketball it's time for this is march since that's all we sit around and wait to get off if there's one most common tweet sent out as mayhem erupts in college basketball it's this is march I want to break it down into three categories for us as we go through here. We're going to have mayhem, crunch time, and meltdown. Some of those might sound similar. We'll explain how they can be different. But it feels right as we go through because those seem like the things we generally tend to see, generally tend to love, especially early on in the tournament for March Madness. And so starting off with the mayhem is where we have to after yesterday because we got the payday we were looking for early on here. Furman and Princeton, come on down to the party, baby. Pulling off upsets against Virginia and Arizona, respectively, on day one. Giving us the double-digit seeds, making and raising hell like we were hoping for here. First one came up in the day was Furman, the Paladins, which they put Dins on the jersey, which seems strange. Dins. Like, I saw Roger Sherman from uh, The Ringer talking about this. Instead of the pals or the lads, they go with the dins instead of any of the rest of that. So strange choice I already. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It reminds me of uh, like a man cave. For anyone that's wondering, a paladin, also called the 12 peers, are 12 legendary knights, the foremost members of Charlemagne's court in the 8th century. They are apparently in French culture what the knights of the round table are. Um, to King Arthur and that sort of tale. And so they represent these sort of like knights of Christianity in that sort of French realm. So that is the mm. Paladins, and that is the team that knocked off Virginia. Um, mm, ass. It came in incredibly dramatic. What? That's good. Ascot. Let's go. go ahead. Keep going. Jesus Just, Christ. Mascots that I don't agree with. Ascots. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Why did you just burp that out? <laughs> Because I wanted to I wanted to shit on it the entire time. And then you said Christian Knights and I was like, oh man. I mean you could listen, I I understand. But that, I still I I had I said I said what I said. Ascots. Go yeah, ahead. You've got to shit on it. It's objectively bad mascot. Um and that's probably why it took them but fifty years between NCAA tournament wins before this one here. Um it ended up coming on uh JP Pegues ends up being the guy who's gonna have his name etched in the record books here. There was an interception off of a Kihei Kihei Clark pass. And for people unfamiliar with Virginia basketball, Kihei Clark was one of the stars of the team that won a national championship a few years ago. He's a guy who just played. This is his last game at a Virginia Cavaliers uniform, and I'm devastated for him. Caroline Darney, who's a great friend of mine who writes over at Bet for the Win, who's a proud Virginia alum who used to, I think, write for Streak the Lawn, their SB Nation site loves the Cavaliers, and has always, always, always spoken so highly of Kihei Clark. What an outstanding young man he is, what he's meant for that team, not the biggest guy in the world, but we've seen, is such a floor leader for them. And in that critical moment, a situation that he's probably drilled a hundred times, Brandon, where they were getting trapped by Furman down to the other end. Furman, really, for the back half of that game, had come out and played some weird zone for most of the rest of the game. They played like a 1-3-1 that helped get them into this. And at the end of the game, they're full court trapping um, trapping Virginia. And they get Kihei Clark in the corner. And with only a few seconds left, the shot gets hit with 2.2 seconds to go. And so the interception happens with like five or six seconds left. Kihei Clark essentially 
pops the top off the grenade and just lobs the ball towards half court when he gets trapped over there in a panicked move, as I heard a lot of the announcers break down after, would have worked had you just thrown the ball as high as humanly possible instead of just trying to Mm. launch it as far as humanly possible. Your goal is to eat time off the clock in that moment if you can just try and get it over half court. And instead, Garrett Hine intercepts the pass, gets it to J.P. Pegues, and the rest is history there. And so now, unfortunately, Kihei Clark, who was instrumental to a national championship team, has to have that be the last time he's in a Cavaliers uniform. So I hope he holds his head up high. I I think... Walking out of there a champion, there's so much that from the Virginia side is going to get talked about now with this team, with Tony Bennett as their head coach, with the fact that this is five years to the day, the anniversary that was five years to the day, the anniversary of their loss, their upset one versus 16 game against UMBC. And they now have first round exits. And I think three of the last four years outside of that Uh. national championship run, we talked about this relative to teams like the Rams and the Bucks. I'm sorry, that run matters. I get that the tournament is incredibly random and it's not always totally indicative of who the best team is, but Tony Bennett won a fucking national championship and so did Kihei Clark, and that has to mean something. It's the goal of all this. And so for the people that want to line up and slander all of them, yes, I get the first round exits aren't pretty because of the style Virginia basketball plays. Slow, prodding, celebrating shot clock violations, all the things that we know about them. You still won it all. And if you've won it all in the last decade in the last five years it's more than most others could dream of and so that should buy you a little more leeway than it feels like they're getting yeah mike but everyone's everyone's hot right now everyone's upset right now everyone's brackets busted uh money has been spent and flushed down the toilet so i can understand the the heat right now mike but i'm with you i'm with you if you won a national championship even like coming from our perspective as notre dame football players the fact that we have been in the dance in the semifinals since they've introduced this playoff system makes it me feel like I can we we can we can hold an argument with anybody because like we've been there and Virginia and I was only there they won the whole thing. Completely agree. Like I would phrase it like this, and Notre Dame football is a great example. Been a almost constant contender for the last decade and a half if they haven't been in the college football playoff they've been around it they've been around the conversation with two national championship appearances in a 10-year span if you i'm not even saying for the team i played for i'm saying if you gave notre dame one national championship in that time period and then told me we probably wouldn't even make a bowl for the rest of those years i'd sacrifice all of that i would sacrifice Mm -hmm. every one of those good to great years for one year where they actually got to the mountaintop and i would do it in a heartbeat wouldn't even think twice about it and that's essentially where virginia basketball has found themselves and i shouldn't even say that because they've been incredibly competitive it's not like they've been a team that's been completely out of the mix in the acc or not making the ncaa tournament so i think that's a great example to bring up from the Virginia side, comparing that to Notre Dame. From the Furman side, they're exactly what we all talk about and what we talked with Nicole Arbach about earlier in the week as far as lower-seeded teams that can make something happen, right? Incredibly successful during the regular season, had won you know 28-7 and seven during the regular season, had won 15 of their last 16 games as they get set to move on and play San Diego State, who we'll talk about shortly, but... It, that game especially, you know, you look at um, Pegues who hit the shot. 
He had missed his previous three three-pointers in the game, but he was their leader in three-pointers on the season. So team that was playing mm. against a slow prodder that can go and knock down threes from distance in a game that was always going to be close because that's how Virginia plays, that's the formula for upsets in this tournament. And so while it was still stunning, it can't seem overly surprising. And I mentioned his name already. Shout out to Roger Sherman, who did call that one, uh, I believe, in the week leading up to it. So nailed that one. Congratulations to the pals. Uh, even though their mascot is bad. They were just the first upset of the day. We had Princeton knocking off Arizona as the second upset of the day. And this one was cool for them. Mitch Henderson, their head coach, was on the Princeton team like 30-plus years ago that upset UCLA when he was a player. And so now to be a part of two of the bigger, if not biggest moments in Princeton, you know, modern Princeton hoops as a player and as a coach is a pretty incredible feeling. They're the 15 seed that upset Arizona 59 to 55. And we talked about how ugly Virginia basketball can be at certain times. When you looked at Mm -hmm. that game, the final score of that game was 68 to 67. So it got a little hairy again, Furman threw some weird stuff at him zone wise. This Princeton Arizona game was ugly as sin. Because when we talked about the stuff that you would generally tend to have to do as a lower seed to knock people off, Princeton was down by eight, uh, down by 10 points with eight minutes to play. They did not make a free throw until there was 21 seconds left in the game. Like to ice the game was essentially when they got to the lines. Both teams shot single digit free throw attempts. Princeton was four of 25 from three point range in this game. The other side, you had Arizona, who was also hot garbage. Uh, I'll pull up the shooting numbers here in just a, in just a second. So yeah, in this game, Princeton shot 16% from three. Arizona shot 18% from three. They were three of 16. Arizona was four of seven from the free throw line. Princeton was three of five. It was a gross game across the board for both of these teams, but gross always favors the underdog. And if you're looking to be a 15 seed that pops this thing off, that's usually how that's going to go, which apparently happens a lot now, Brandon. There were four 15 over two upsets in the first 27 years of the 64-team bracket, there have now been seven 15-over-2 upsets in the last 10 tournaments, according to Roger Sherman over at uh, at the Ringer. And this is the wrong one to happen, Mike. Uh, I saw, what was the CBS Sports posted this? After that upset, now there's only 0.12% perfect brackets remaining in the entire, well, I guess in the March Madness pool. And I guess, yeah, we're, we're all in it. Like, my, I had Arizona in the final game, like I said before. Like, this is... I'm happy that Princeton was the one to do it, but it's just, I, you know, every year, every year. It was, it, it, it's a fun reminder of what this tournament is. Arizona coming off of winning the Pac 12 is now going home in a game where you saw bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, for Christ's sake, I think Princeton had six blocks in this game. Like I said, if you get blocked by a Princeton basketball player, no offense to the Princeton hoops teams, you should never live that down. Like, Brandon, you know there are certain things like getting tackled with the punter in a game that are going to get run back in film whenever they watch this after all the pain over and over and over again. Because if you're getting it served up like that when you're supposed to be one of the best athletes in the country on one of the best teams in the country, you shouldn't be allowed to live that down from another teammate standpoint. Not from us. I'm saying from the people that love you most because that's usually where it yes. comes from. Yeah, Mike, but I, f- I feel like this game, 
most of these teams that do the upset thing, they keep it close the entire time. Early on the game, when uh, Princeton had only scored two points, and Arizona was like creeping up to double digits, I was like, okay, this is exactly what we thought it was going to be. And then, nope, I ain't gonna lie, had me in the first five minutes. Yeah, I don't know how. I mean, well, I guess I do know how it happened because watching that game, I mean, Arizona for long stretches there offensively, it was it was gross and it looked out of control. It was ugly. Things weren't going in. So it, uh, it gave us the juice to start the day. I think both of those happening relatively early on in the day's games too was also a nice shot of life into this thing. It's what mm-hmm. we needed. We, we talked about volume shooting on the first couple of days. So yeah, those are the ones that hurt the brackets pretty bad. What's your final four in your bracket, Brandon? For anyone that missed it, We ended up setting up our bracket group on the NCAA Bracket app. Shout out and thank you to everyone who joined in. We had 234 of you join the Gojo Podcast Bracket. Excited to have you. Um, Brandon, you filled out your bracket very last minute, gave it the old college try. And so for anyone that missed it, our bracket challenge bet between me and you for whoever ends up with the better bracket. The winner obviously gets bragging rights. The loser has to go and redo pro day back in South Bend at Notre Dame doing the bench press, the 40 yard dash, the three cone and short shuttle and the vertical and uh, broad jump. So my final four is Alabama, Marquette, Texas, and Kansas, all of whom at this point are are still intact. Uh, What about you? Arizona, Duke, Texas, UCLA. Okay, so you've already got – and you said Arizona was in your championship game, right? I have Bama and Texas. So you've got one of your championship uh, appearing teams out already. Yes, thank you for for laying it out there that way. I know. I do. I know. All right, you know what? UCLA's hey. got to go all the way. And, I, and I, I'm not going to jinx them, but we'll, we'll let March play out. Yeah, this uh, this truly is March. Uh, so go Bruins for you. Uh, roll damn tide and rock chalk on my side of things. Uh, Brandon, let's get to crunch time and give a little bit of love uh, to the fighting Stormy Bond and Tonys. San Diego State got a win. Unfortunately, I had picked College of Charleston. That was wow. going to be one of my 12-5 upsets. Um, one of those where a lot of times I'll pick schools where I had friends go. You know, I picked Maryland to yes. win be, uh, against West Virginia because of Dominique Foxworth. My friends, the Perianos, had two of their kids go to college at Charleston. So was rooting for them. And we had talked to Nicole. They had won over 30 games during the regular season. Veteran team had a guy that used to wear an eye patch. Um, but Ooh. instead what we get in crunch time is San Diego State pulling out a tough one and giving the Mountain West their first win in the NCAA tournament as a conference since 2017. They had been over their previous eight first-round games since then, and Utah State had lost earlier in the day, too, so good on the Aztecs for making this happen for the Mountain West so they can finally show their face around the Final Four again. It's embarrassing. I do, yes, shouts out to them, but also... The, the the person that won the Pac-12 just get bounced out. So I don't really know how uh, the conference pride works uh, during the tourney like this. I'm never one for conference pride anyway. Again, the Notre Dame factor doesn't really matter right. to me. But I do like the Mountain West. I have a soft spot for the group of five conferences. And so seeing them get nice things, seeing them enjoy happiness, even if it came That's at fair. my expense, and even if I thought it came at the expense of some very shoddy officiating at the end of that game, which I'm sure this won't be the last time we say that in the NCAA tournament, uh, water being wet. Brandon, let's get to the meltdown at the end of this, though. Uh, 
on the way into the tournament, Grand Canyon, who had been part of a five-team parlay that made me a good bit of money when I was in Dodge City helping open up the DraftKings uh, Sportsbook at the Boot Hill Casino, Grand Canyon, thank you very much on that, was making their way uh, to um, the NCAA tournament. They were flying out to Phoenix to get ready to play their game. They got there, but unfortunately, for their first day of practice, all 12 bags of their equipment, including practice gear, uniforms, and shoes, didn't make it there. And so players were practicing in t-shirts from the WAC championship, jerseys from the Regis basketball team where they were playing. Um, uh, The stuff was going to get there later on. They had come there again, winning the WAC. They beat Southern Utah pretty handily in that game. But tough look for the equipment staff there, man. Your team goes, does their business, handles it in the conference tournament. You're showing up to the big dance. And I'm sure there's a lot of pressure being a small school, making your way to the big dance, wanting to seem like you belong, wanting to go and act like you belong, wanting to show your kids a great time because it's an incredible reward for them. Even if a lot of these small teams, mid-majors, end up losing in the first round, making the tournament is a badge of honor. It's a banner you get to hang up inside your gym forevermore and say you were a part of this kind of team. And so you want to make it kind of like a bowl game in college it's supposed to be a reward for hard work done and it is tough to feel like you're getting that reward when you're practicing in another team's jersey (laughs) i just can't believe this mike like i know the angst of packing you for yourself like am i going to leave something doing it for an entire team and then dropping the ball the amount of like finger pointing that happened after this like the emails like i feel bad for the the, the business size as somebody who used to be work on a coaching staff in college football i was on ball state's uh, coaching staff for, for a year this was the, the ball was dropped excuse the oh excuse the uh, <laughs> the, the the march madness pun i, I feel yes. terrible for the equipment manager here shout out to our boy ryan grooms one of our great friends and former notre dame Man. equipment manager would have never happened on ryan's watch but i know the anxiety that comes with so much of this because there is so much shit that you've got to remember now less so a bit and this sounds like it was probably out of his control just because of travel and the way things worked out. But for a basketball team, you at least got comparatively fewer guys. Like you said, the anxiety that has to go on when, as we're getting ready to go on the road, it's on Friday as we're getting ready, Thursday we're getting done with package, you get these big duffel bags in front of your locker where you got to put all the stuff that you want to make the trip for the road game. So your pads, knee braces, cleats, wrist guards, any special shit you need has to be in there. And my OCD was never at a higher, more fevered pitch than right before then. Because if you get there and you're going through your bag and all of a sudden something on there, that's on your ass. And you can try and if you're lucky, and if you've got an equipment manager who's cool as hell like grooms, they might be able to help you out on some stuff. But a lot of times, you're just up shit's creek. And that's probably, honestly, the birthplace of all of those nightmares that I have, where I'm showing up to the football field without (laughs) my helmet or pads and I'm forced to stare my position coach in the eye who hasn't coached me in a decade and tell him why I don't have the necessary equipment to play the football game that's probably what this all goes back to nightmare fuel stuff but like Grand Canyon went out there improved just basketball you know put you know Calvin Cambridge it or you know whatever like Mike just you know just go out there hoop you got t-shirts on we'll we'll play Regis jerseys until our stuff gets here that's the jersey version of we'll play them in the parking lot we don't give a shit we don't need these bright lights um so good luck to grand canyon hope you're able to overcome that respond to adversity sudden change sports cliche sports cliche sports cliche 
Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust and it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit and Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine again with no refrigeration required. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 so one daily symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo code 25 gojo brandon speaking of march madness let's get to an update our some shining moments bracket so yes. yesterday we made the debut some shining moments a collection of 32 of the biggest moments from the last year march to march that we have ranked seeded sorted into regions and are now going to have to play for the vi for the title of number one moment in the last year we got off to the first region yesterday, the North region, which is the sports region. The results, shocking, were as follows. Can't believe it. Stunned. Y'all so hating. The, they, y'all hating. Everybody on Twitter who was, who was engaged in this, and I thank all of you, thousands upon thousands, so many people. I couldn't even count how many people were, were voting on, on moment after moment. But all y'all are hating. And we'll get to it. You're going to keep workshopping that Trump impression until it shines, and I'm rooting for you. <laughs> um, the Hayton Brandon's referring to is as follows. In the round of 32, uh, the 1-8 matchup in the sports region, Tom Brady's retirement saga versus the Aaron Judge home run, pace, run, run race. With 3,868 votes, the 8th seed Aaron Judge home run race moves on to the Sweet 16. Stunning upset. Crazy. For what could have been the one overall seed in the tournament. Uh, no surprise here. Uh, best moment, 4,003 votes. The 3-6 matchup, the Kelsey brothers, with 68.8% of the vote move on over the Brooklyn Nets implosion at the 6 seed. Expected that one. Kelsey's had a dynamite year. Yeah. Um, with 2,896 votes, better moment between the 4 seed World Cup final and the 5 seed Georgia football two-time back-to-back champions. 77.5% of the vote went to the World Cup. Wow. I have a feeling that four seed, as Jess Matana predicted, could be in for a bit of a run. And the last one, much to Brandon's dismay, with 2,973 votes, the seventh seed, Brock Purdy's season, 51.3% of the vote upsets. Number two, LeBron James passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the NBA's all-time leading scoring title. Lakers fan Brandon Newman, how mad are you? 
he doesn't even do this. Like he's not even a scorer. You know, like how how uh, Kobe said he's a shooting guard. So the only thing he does is guard and shoot. Like LeBron James is just a team player. He he's up there in assists, as your dad pointed out. Like he's just a kid from Akron, and he he climbed the highest mountaintop of surpassing Kareem. And y'all disrespectful Twitter thumb users trying to say that Brock Purdy's moment was bigger than LeBron. Ugh! Y'all still mad about the moment. Y'all still mad about the decision. Like, I, I agree that Brock Purdy's moment is a big shining star, but to put it over this historical moment in NBA basketball history is disrespectful. LeBron should smack all y'all. Sorry. I think it definitely is ground in being haters. If you were to go off the individual weight of each moment, right? San Francisco did not make it to the Super Bowl. They made it very far, farther than they should have, but ultimately didn't get to that point. But Brock Purdy, unexpected, all these different things. The only thing I could try and rationalize for people is that LeBron James passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the manner in which he did in a season that feels largely like a throwaway, in one where the Lakers have not been incredibly competitive all year long, could be the justification even if I look at this and say it should be about the fact that for his career, he accomplished this. He was supposed to come into the NBA and be the next Michael Jordan and has been so much that he also became the next Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and now will likely put this record so far out of reach that no one's going to get it. It's wildly impressive, but like a lot of other of LeBron's accomplishments, I feel like we've gone nose blind to it. We've gone numb to it. I'll say this. This is the same reason why I think Brooklyn implosion lost to the Kelsey brothers. LeBron Pass and Kareem have been telegraphed for months. Sure. Almost seasons, right? And then especially this year and this month, it was something we talked about over and over again. Brock Purdy end up being the starter and end up being one of the more entertaining quarterbacks in the back half of the NFL season. I respect that moment. Yeah, people love underdog shit too. I mean, we had to go through that whole process of people wanting to assign much more credit to Brock Purdy than he likely deserved in the middle of that 49ers machine. He was very good, but people were trying to act like he was the second coming, and that wasn't necessarily the case, and I feel like that probably bled over a little bit. So either way, the people get to vote. Democracy has spoken. And so that's who we've got moving on here. Again, we will have Judge's home run race, the Kelsey brothers, the World Cup final, and Brock Purdy's season. Moving on to the Sweet 16 out of that reason. Brandon, up next... We have got the music region, which I believe, as I consult the Oracle right now, is technically the East region of this. Um, And the matchups are going to be as follows. Again, at Gojo Show on Twitter, these will be posted, attached to when we post the podcast in the morning. It'll have the poll that'll stay up and run and give all of you a chance to potentially pick another upset like we saw a couple of in the early rounds for this tournament. The music region matchups are as follows, Brandon. The one seed, Taylor Swift's Midnight Saga. So I I looked at that as including the release of Midnight's, the announcing of the tour, and the Ticketmaster debacle kind of all merged into okay. one. You could put just the Midnight's album release, staying up till midnight, had the extra uh, couple of tracks well, released at 3 a.m. You could do that, and I'd still think it would qualify as the one seed. Well, that's why I'm a little bit upset with this, Mike, because via Taylor Swift's Instagram yesterday 
this is a saga that continues. So I feel it has a little bit. I guess the Tom Brady's as well retirement saga. Like that. That's yeah. still the one sagas are the one seeds are one seeds for a reason. Yeah, we use moments very lo- loosely in this draft. Again, yeah. we're workshopping yeah. all of this on the fly. Leave us alone. It's going up against the one of uh, the eight seed. The Wednesday Adams dance scene uh, that turned into a viral TikTok sensation, which is part of why it's on here. Something that goes viral and has its moment like that. Again, yes, very much the eight seed in this category. I don't think should have much trouble. Uh, the three six matchup is where it gets interesting. The Rihanna yes. Super Bowl halftime show announcement, uh, halftime show that doubled as a second pregnancy announcement for Rihanna. The three seed going up against the six seed. Lizzo playing James Madison's Crystal Flute, um, a moment that pissed off racists everywhere that had us learning a lot more about old crystal instruments than we ever once knew, going up against a moment that had way too many people jumping to ask the question, is she pregnant in public before they were told the answer in a way that, again, everyone always never be first to mark it on again, but once we got that word from her camp, turned into one of the coolest pregnancy announcements that's ever been done in the midst of an incredibly entertaining Super Bowl halftime show from one of the most beloved artists on the planet who we hadn't heard from in God knows how long. If you can't tell, I think Rihanna should probably win in this one, even if I love Lizzo, appreciate all of the positivity that she brings into the world, and the fact that we have got a modern pop artist, whatever you want to call Lizzo, who also happens to be a classically trained flautist. Yeah, to the point where she can play one straight out of the uh, trophy case. And it sounds like it didn't, doesn't even need to be tuned. Like, yes, I, I'm i torn with this one, Mike, because of the complexities of history being made on both ends, obviously, with a second child from Rihanna and, you know, first uh, single artist, you know, all the, all the things that Rihanna did. But Lizzo playing that flute, man, that's a lot. That was a moment. That was a moment. Rihanna, Rihanna's the the giant here, but Lizzo could sleep. I'm, I'm interested in what the people have to say. That'll be. I, I again, I think the Rih- Rihanna's was hers. The Navy is that her online group of fans? Uh, sure. I forget if it was an army or a navy, but either way, I think they're going to show up in full force. I think <laughs> she is going to do well in this, but. A matchup where I feel bad. Lizzo is one of the, like a like we said about uh, Florida Atlantic, lower seed that could yes. have come in, could have been one of the teams to win in the tournament, but is also going up against a red hot team in the eight seed in Memphis, and so you feel less good about yeah. their chances. Uh, the four or five matchup, the four seed. This is one that's got potential also. Uh, Oliver Shane Hawkins, the son of the late Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters playing alongside the Foo Fighters in the concert that was commemorating his father's life. An incredibly yeah. emotional moment with the entire band, with anybody who watched it. That is the four seed going up against Harry's house, Harry Styles, uh, newest and latest solo venture, an incredible album, tons of fun, saw him live in concert. Harry's great. I just don't think he has what it takes to overcome such an emotional moment, even if music for a sushi restaurant kicks whole helpings of ass. I feel like people are going to see Harry's house and think of Harry's moment and between that and uh, don't worry, darling. Yeah, that's I, 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 you know America is a, there, we're a little slores for for entertainment uh, that entertains and you know have have less sympathy for the the heart crunching moments. So we'll see, we'll see. I agree with you though. Yeah, I mean, it's, 
having it be on There Goes My Hero and him just kick it's 16 year old crushing that drum set how it had to be for the rest of that band to all be looking at him and seeing their I can't even talk about it too much now because I will start getting emotional again. So we will move on to the 2-7 matchup to finish this off. Beyonce's renaissance going up at the 2 seed against the 7 seed Corn Kid. And Jess is right. Looking back on it, Corn Kid should have been seated higher. That was a mistake by the committee. But here we are. That was... For a lot of the summer, early into football season, that was an international sensation. It was a big lump with knobs, and it had the juice, and it's unfortunately, I think, going to get drubbed by Beyonce. I have no idea what Corn Kid is. You don't know what Corn Kid is? No idea. What do you do all day? (laughs) I, like, put my son down for naps and, like... Feed the children and do this stuff. Or the back end of this stuff. Edit the pod, post it, you know. YouTube, edit YouTube, post it. All right, hold on. I'm going to play you a snippet of this. I really like corn. What do you like about corn? Ever since I I was told that corn was real, it tasted good. Did you think corn wasn't real? But when I tried it with butter, everything changed. I love corn. Mmm, corn. Do you think everyone should be eating corn? No, not everyone has to like it to be the best. Yeah. Everyone just has to try it. Have a bite. What else are your favorite things? I play a variety of games. Hide and seek, hag, double lava monster. Yeah, mostly cold. I mean, then look at this then. I can't imagine a more beautiful thing. It's corn. It's corn. Because corn is awesome. Can you describe corn to someone who's never tasted it before? A big lump with knobs. It has the juice. It's the part that mostly makes me like the corn. How much do you think corn should cost? So that was the interview with Corn Kid that ended up sparking a viral song that sounds like this. song? Oh, Brandon, is there a song? I can't believe you. There was... TikTok ran wild with... Uh, Bro, I cannot believe you missed this entire section of God's internet. I am going to spam you with all of the various remixes. Every genre of music took a turn at the Corn Kid song. Oh, my gosh. That is the seventh Um, um, seed that's going up against Renaissance. Yeah, it's not going to stand a chance. Um, But I I am happy to say there's only one other thing on this entire bracket that I have no idea about. And we'll we'll cut, we'll get there when we get there. Something about a slap or something. Go ahead. At Gojo Show on Twitter. All of these will be up when the podcast posts in the morning. You will have your chance to vote. I'm sure I will hear from a lot of people about the way that this <laughs> is seated. And we will go from there. Brandon, sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. 
So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. One other thing that we need to get to. Did you see our boy Jared Carabas having to fight the good fight, defending the World Ooh. Baseball Classic against the likes Ooh. of KFC from Barstool, Keith Olbermann, and everyone else shaking their fists after the, at the sky after Edwin Diaz tore his patella tendon, celebrating, not even playing in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, he had just gone out there and dealt in a 5-2 win that was going to send Puerto Rico to the quarterfinals after beating the Dominican Republic. And then all of a sudden you see Edwin Diaz, who was a sensation last year and is now a $20 million a year closer for the Mets, mm. who had all these expectations. Steve Cohen signing everything and everybody, spending money like it's going out of style. And now every Mets fan that feels Kurtz, like every Jets fan who assumes that this is all going to go wrong with Aaron Rodgers, is feeling like shit. And that was where a source of a lot of the anger came for, I know, KFC, who's a Mets fan, who came out and basically, like Olbermann and like any of the other people that were angry with this, tried to say that the World Baseball Classic doesn't actually mean anything and that these guys shouldn't be playing in this week before the season gets started instead of the teams that actually pay their salaries and the seasons where we expect things from these professionals. Here now, what I'd say is I do not agree. Like, there seem to be a okay. lot of guys that really love the World Baseball Classic, a lot of players that have been playing in this. It seems to have actually created a lot of buzz around the sport. I haven't checked in for much of it yet, but it's allowing all these guys to go back and play for their home country. There's rules about you yes. know, you got to have at least one grandparent that was from there, has got a birth certificate from there, but. We've seen all these different guys. Shohei Itani's out dealing, throwing gas right now um, yeah. for the Japanese team. We've seen Mike Trout out there playing meaningful basement and tournament standpoint that we don't get to see during Major League Baseball season. So we should probably cherish that. It's, it's the it's the baseball's Olympics with an audience. Like, yeah, I would think we have to respect that, and also uh, of the things that happen that injure in that results in injury, and it shouldn't have happened. I'm sure OKC. Is looking at their team now, and like if we had Chet Holmgren, if he didn't oh. play in that little basketball pickup game in Seattle against LeBron James's team, so like so I'm saying, like you you can't stop people from having injuries, but to to completely poo poo on something that's important to a lot of people that can't afford to be the thing that's even funding these contracts for the Major League Baseball, like just just chill. I. I the timing of it does suck to have it this close to the start of the season because right. I'm sure True. every organization is holding their breath. Like at the very least, and like we've always said, you mentioned the pickup runs that a lot of basketball players play. That was the first thing I thought of where guys go out, they're going to play basketball. 
they're going to at least, when they go to a lot of they these pro-ams to. and pickup places, be playing yeah. against other pros, other high-level basketball players. And so you're not out there in a situation where you can have bad players tripping the athletes, as Mike Tomlin used to always say. So <laughs> I, I, I look at it from that standpoint and I say, yes, these are sports that you can really only get better at by playing. This is an opportunity that comes around. It's a once every four years tournament. There is the national pride that is similar to what we have in the Olympics, what we've got in things like the World Cup, all the above. And so it's hard to mad. And in this case, because he was not hurt actually playing. He was hurt right. celebrating after the game. They're jumping up and down in a circle. And the next thing you know here, he's down on a heap. Like, this could have been an injury he got stepping off of the curb. And so I understand you're increasing the amount of opportunities that there are for this kind of injury, playing this kind of tournament when you're having yeah. it. But I can't be the person sitting here saying, shut the whole thing down because a guy happened to have a freak injury celebrating. Sometimes bad things just right. happen. I understand Mets fans feeling like it just happens to them way too much. And here we go again. And they're not wrong. They're not oh, wrong. no, they are I definitely mean, this cursed. Is, this is... Yeah, like this is like, but that's the thing. There's so much money has been spent on the Metropolitans at this point in time. You have other things to focus on. While he gets his, while he gets, uh, while healed up, and by the time you actually need a closer, maybe he'll be ready for you. It's, and it's one of those things. So the injury, uh, he's undergoing, he went underwent surgery on Thursday, and they didn't get into specifics, but they said the timeline for this is usually about eight months for recovery. So. It's it's terrible. Like it is legitimately Long terrible for, for the baseball, Mets for though. everybody. Like, yeah. you know, there's a chance of you know a guy, a freak athlete, could come back earlier from this. But the whole point still remains that this isn't like when in contracts that players have in other sports where they don't want you skiing or going and riding a motorcycle or doing things that are outside of the purview of your sport. I struggle to look at this and say, yeah, you got to shut this down. This is some systemic problem other than this is unfortunate and it just happened to happen at the World Baseball Classic that's going on right now. I, I would actually be interested in seeing how many players who participate in the World Baseball Classic push back if they actually started to try to make this serious like if they were actually still, and also they weren't talking about it going away some people were talking about using it as a form to, to show showcase college uh players or maybe high school major league or that type of level of talent but i, I feel like the players want to play as much as the fans want to see them play well and, and that was part of kfc's argument was if this is just about your enjoyment of the game you should be able to enjoy it as a baseball diehard with amateurs out there, with college players out mm. there. Like, it's not. It is partially about growing the game. It's a different venue. Anytime you can wrap the flag of whoever your nation is around the players, it automatically creates a different level of buy-in and interest. We see it happen long before soccer was actually popular on U.S. shores. We would all rally around the World Cup or the Olympics because we love rooting for the colors that our country wears. Same as all these guys from other countries. And so that's going to bring a different section of the audience to this. And if you get to see, like we said with Mike Trout, you never get to see him play meaningful baseball. That's awesome right. to get a chance for that. It's awesome for more people to get to see Shohei Otani be incredible. He's the best thing baseball has going for it. You should want to put him in as many places as possible right now. And so... 
I can't look at that and say, yeah, it would be the same and you would get the same out of it with amateurs there. No, you are trying to increase the reach of this. It could potentially help you bring more fans back to Major League Baseball. But even if that's not the point, like you said, it's also something that clearly these guys don't have to play in either. Like, these guys are all rich enough to where if they wanted to say no, I'm sure they could say no. But instead, they decided to go out here and play this. Yes, like they could say no. Right. So it it seems it seems a bit ridiculous to get this mad about something because of what is ultimately a freak accident. So wish Edwin Diaz well. We hope we get to see him back out there. We hope his recovery time ends up being faster. But Mets fans, I, I'm so sorry, Mr. Met, Mrs. Met. Shield your mm-hmm. eyes. I hope your marriage can survive oh, this. Man. Uh, you see how you see how. I mean, I just have to say it now. See how thick Miss Met is. <laughs> have you seen? Yes, Brandon, I've seen. Okay, I mean, cakes, strawberry shortcakes over there. Jesus Christ. What? <laughs> How get, you can't objectify I, uh, mascots? Usually not. No, I mean, she's a baseball. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I See, I was thinking general, general, gender neutral objectifying. Like, now I, I, feel, I feel a little dirty. But I was just thinking of it like just like as a... As a, a, a sexy baseball. <laughs> like a, a Lola Bunny baseball. I'm sorry. That's too far. <laughs> oh, my God. A man who announced that he had sex at the very beginning of this podcast somehow did not have his horniest moment until about 50 minutes in. You would, Brandon, you would have loved during football season, uh, my college football booth with Learfield did a series mm-hmm. on mascot infidelity among mascot couples in oh. college football. <laughs> oh, man. How, how dirty was it? Like, was it some messy stuff? So the Arizona Wildcat mascots ended up being the ones that we kind of looked at. Oddly enough, on the day that Arizona ends up losing, the Wildcat mascots are um, Wilbur and – Wilbur the Wildcat, and what is I think it's Wilbur and Wilma is his wife's name. And there's some pretty like scandalous pictures of the misses and like the Oregon Duck that I've seen, the Sun Devil that I've seen. Pac 12 After Dark is for the grown and sexy. It's it's one of those like uh, Mr. Steel Girl uh, situations. Very much so. That's I, I have a. I think Ryan Nanny from the full cast had the theory that she might be in an open relationship. Uh, like, I don't want to judge anyone. Like, yeah, I don't want to judge sense. anyone's situation because that just might be how they get down. Right. Like, it's not like Mr. And Mrs. Wolf, who are the NC state mascots are legally married. Like, I don't even know if the Arizona okay, mascots yeah. are married, but the wake forest demon Deacon actually married Mr. And Mrs. Wolf at NC state. So hits a little mm. bit different then. Mm. Cause all of a sudden there's a ring on it. I don't think there's kids involved, but there could be. So you never want to see that. But I, I just had a theory. Because if you ever been in a two-man scheme or a two-man con, I just saw Ocean's 13 recently, so I've been thinking about con games. And <laughs> the Migos famously said, uh, friends try to send a thought. That's the only way to plot. So maybe, 
maybe Wilma is going in and distracting you know Mona oh. Lisa, the uh, Little Wayne and Kendrick Lamar songs. Like maybe he's doing a little the little, little sleight of hand, and Wilbur's coming in the back and, and cleaning out pockets and wallets and, and homes and safes. You know what I'm saying? It could. It, you know what? Did not think of that one. Could absolutely be that one. Also, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum here. If Wilma is exploring her sexual liberation, True. then go True. off and do what you want. Not, not going to knock that at all again if that's their for relationship. Sure. And even if there's infidelity, sure. as long as there's no kids involved, that's for them to figure out. That's not for me to figure out. And the same goes for Mr. and Mrs. Met. Now, the Mrs. would imply that they are married. I haven't seen the ceremony, and I don't see any little baseballs running around. So, again, that's for everyone else to decide here. Um, They're called T-balls. Brandon, <laughs> do you know what time it is? Oh, Mike. The crazy thing about it is I do. Let me talk to him real quick, Mike. You mind if I do that? Mm. I guess if I can let this podcast slip away Cause I got my eye on you See, I'm looking over your shoulder Let me mark my over Excuse me, this lady, how you doing? Body looking right, you're the type and right and I'm pursuing I'm getting a little closer So I can get to know you And exchange names and things Before this night is over uh, All I really want is You to back it up on me Put your weight on it Cause it's alright Do what you wanna Make me believe it Ooh, I wanna see you This, that, Anna 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 this, 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 that, and this, that, and the third, this, that, and the third, 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 third. That's the right song to sing after we talked about mascots being horny. <laughs> Been a long week, if y'all can't tell here. <laughs> we really needed to add Gojo Show on Twitter. Hit us with the mascot couple that you're most worried about maybe <laughs> fooling around a little bit. We need to revive this series. I'm going to go back and look at the investigative reporting that we did on this and find out who else might have been out here cheating. There's a bunch of ones that are siblings, too, and, you know. Ugh, now, I'm not saying like that. I'm saying that they're not doing oh. anything together. Jesus Christ. Okay. Simmer. Hey, I don't know. You've done the re you've done the research. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, if you have done the research, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo. <laughs> Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Tell Brandon what a great job he's done Ooh, being horny man. on main today. Brandon, speaking <laughs> of someone that you're often horny on main for, let's get to this. Uh, this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to get us out of here. What is this? The Raiders. Very curious. Uh. Last couple of days. <laughs> yes. Um... On Thursday, it was announced that the Raiders would be pushing back Jimmy Garoppolo's introductory press conference until at least Friday. Now, 
Jimmy Garoppolo had been seen all over the Raiders' social media on Thursday, going into the building, reuniting with guys like Jacoby Myers, who signed out there, with um, with uh, Philip Dorsett, with you know Josh McDaniels, who he played with uh, with the New England Patriots. But while everyone else was announced, and while Jimmy Garoppolo was supposed to be announced as a signing, he has not actually signed his contract. Again, as part of the legal tampering period, he agreed to terms earlier in the week. But Penn hasn't been mm-hmm. put to paper yet. And so now everyone's trying to figure out what's happened. There's a lot of people wondering if this was a Carlos Correa situation where he had potentially mm. failed his physical. According to Jeff Howe and Vic Taffer over at The Athletic, the Raiders or Sos with knowledge of the situation said it is, quote, all good and then sinuates the belief that an agreement between Garoppolo and the Raiders is still finalized and wonders if this could be about certain injury guaranteed money in the contract that had Mm. $33.75 million guaranteed at signing. But either way, this has now at least opened the door. And as you're listening to this podcast Friday, we'll see if this is dated by then or not. But Brandon, it opens the door for the possibility that this might go sideways for the Raiders at a time where Aaron Rodgers has still not technically put pen to paper with the New York Jets yet as he's in limbo with the Packers, as Lamar Jackson is still waiting out there in the wing, as the Raiders have the seventh overall pick in the draft. And so it would certainly be dicey territory for them if this were to somehow fall through. But there are cards still left to play technically, even if they were one of the teams to say that they weren't going to be in business with Lamar Jackson, if being at the seventh draft pick in a draft where we expect a lot of these quarterbacks to go in the top five still has you on the outside looking in, they're at least not totally up Shit's Creek. They're just partially there if this fails. Mike, uh, speaking of Alex Correa, I feel like Jimmy G is going to end up back with the 49ers. He's going to take that backup deal that he had. <laughs> He's like, you know what? Let's just try it again. I'll get my incentives on the back end when I'm the most healthy quarterback until I'm not for the 49ers again. I just, I don't, I probably shouldn't read into this, but this does not give me a good feeling. Because you, ever since you brought up uh, Mike McDaniel and Josh McDaniels, I've been afraid to say Josh McDaniels' name because F you for doing that to me. But uh, I don't trust him. And I feel like, Something's in the works. Something bad's in the works. You're not the only one that probably feels bad because I just remember and was reading in The Athletic too. This happened to the Raiders in 2014 when they went to sign Roger Saffold, the offensive lineman. And then on the day his press conference was scheduled, they conducted a physical and apparently there was an issue with Stafford's shoulder that made them uncomfortable. And so they backed out of the deal. The news conference was canceled and Saffold re-signed and played all 16 games with the Rams during that season. And you got to remember in the backdrop of all this too, when it comes with uncomfortable guarantees you're dealing with Mark Davis who relative to the rest of the owners in the NFL does not have a lot of money like he is not one of the real rich guys in this league and so the Raiders often run into problems about how much cash they actually have on them we always think about this in terms of the salary cap and just things like that for the Raiders it's often no how much money do we actually have to put into these things and that becomes the issue that could be part of this here where if another team if it was borderline might overlook mark davis with his financial situation may not feel as comfortable doing so did you hear that quote from tim brown talking about mark davis's daddy al no he was on some podcast obviously Notre Dame great tim brown was on some podcast saying that al davis one didn't want 
players to really perform at their highest level. Like he said, he's because he, he felt like that means other teams will want you and they'd have to either lose you or have to pay up to keep you. And he said he, he, he would, he, for on the offensive side of the ball, he was able to affect, um, the plays going over correctly and where the ball went to, to Tampa, to like basically dampen the offense's effectiveness. Well, on the defense side of the ball, they were running like around like madmen and they ended up, you know, setting the tone in the, in, in the NFL because they couldn't be told what to do, but they were at, they were doing it in spite of what Al Davis was telling them to do. Yeah. For a guy who was also known for the moniker, just win, it definitely seems ironic, but it, it's, Something that I think fans and players of a lot of organizations are more aware of than no. The Bengals are another team that always falls into this category where I've often heard mm-hmm. from guys that played there that they are only concerned ownership with being good enough to put butts in seats and make money. And that's why seeing them spend for a guy like Orlando Brown in free agency is important. How they're going about True. getting Barry with and what they do with Joe Burrow's contract is important because you've got a quarterback that's willed them into places their franchise hasn't been in a long, long time. And it is the chance for that ownership group to show their fans that they are more serious about this than they've usually been. So sometimes perception is reality with some of these places. We'll wait and see if it's the case with the Raiders and this Jimmy G situation heading into Friday. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Brandon, let's get to that. In the world of basketball, Charlotte Hornets owner Michael Jordan is engaged in serious talks to sell a majority stake in the franchise to a group led by Hornets minority owner Gabe Plotkin and Atlanta Hawks minority owner Rick Schnall, sources told ESPN on Thursday. Now, no deal's eminent, but there's significant momentum on a sale that would install those two as the co-governors, and if it's completed, Jordan would keep a minority stake in the franchise, but he would no longer be the majority owner as he's been since 2019. He is the only, currently, the owner... only black majority owner in the NBA right now. And Brandon, there is no other way to really look at this as we get towards the end of LeBron's career, as we have heard his ambitions to put a team in Las Vegas, heard his ambitions to be an owner, Michael Jordan running from the grind. Oh, oh yeah. He's running from, he's ducking smoke for sure. But also at the same time, how surprised are all of us that it's taken this long for this news to come through? Like it, like with all the big genes, all the him being on the sideline, like all the the stories that have come out about how I feel like tumultuous or like um, it's been, it sounds like it's been a heavy lift for him the entire time, 
and he's so rich like why would he want this headache like i'm surprised it's been this long he really does he really must love the game it's so wright thompson wrote a great piece which i mean you could stop the sentence there and it would be true in almost every circumstance but <laughs> right. wright thompson wrote a great piece about michael jordan about the competitive drive that lives inside him still to this day it's why we see him still those you know grainy shots or paparazzi shots of him challenging guys to one-on-one games and all these different pits of folklore that have been built into the jordan narrative all of this competitive fire without a true outlet for it and probably thought this would be the avenue for it being an owner of a team being on the highest level of basketball you're right in that it's got to be immensely frustrating for him to have never been able to transmit his competitive desire and his ability to the team on the court and to make a winner for michael jordan to be a loser at anything i'd imagine has to put a real pit in his stomach and so you're right it does seem like this could have happened a long time ago as now we've seen Lamelo ball dealing with a bunch of injury stuff this season's been Man. totally haywire because of all the surgeries that he's unfortunately had to undergo which sucks but this you also brought up the point about him being rich did you see that new golf club that michael jordan made for himself uh the golf club or the course the course the grove 23 okay yes yes that's that's all i was about to say in the the competitive nature of the thing go ahead i ain't gonna spoil it oh no it's so he made his own private golf club essentially he got tired of having to wait for tea times at other places and made this incredible facility um in the jupiter area in florida uh i've seen let's see um okay he's got a member member event coming up that included a bunch of different names mark Wahlberg, wayne gretzky ken griffey jr john elway but seeing the tour of this facility it's incredible it looks exactly like a palace that michael jordan would build and i'm sure at some point it's hey i can continue to own and try and put my heart and guts into this shitty basketball team or i can just go play golf and gamble with people there and actually be able to influence the outcome events a lot more than i do right now mike i I didn't know that it was an actual club all i heard was he made a golf course where scientifically every hole is made to benefit his shortcomings of golf like every like if he if he hooks to the left like there's a there's a mound that kind of it basically uh who was it i, I don't want to get this wrong but a, a pro who's on tour maybe it was jordan speed somebody went there and competed and they said it's one of the hardest courses that they've ever uh shot on but obviously it's great for michael jordan like that's the level of of competition that we're talking about here yeah it looks incredible uh so Honestly, if I were him and I was that rich, because he's probably going to be able to sell this for a pretty penny, Michael Jordan paid 275 mil for a majority stake in the franchise. I'm sorry, in 2010. I said 2019 before and misspoke. He paid 275 mil for that in 2010. We've seen the valuations for a lot of these franchises. I'd imagine Mm -hmm. he is going to make a shit ton of money for selling his stake in this and be able to go off and just add it onto that golf course. And so it'll be for the – honestly, I was looking forward to LeBron and Jordan owning teams at the same time so we could have the LeBron-Jordan debate on an intergalactic level in perpetuity, world without end, amen. And now we're going to get the same thing that we've always had, which is one coming in after the other and doing a job that's going to end up being impossible to compare for many reasons. Now I I can't get out of my head LeBron – 
buying the Las Vegas Aces before he does anything else. It'd be a heady play. Uh, Brandon, let's get to the third. According to Nick Friedel, Jimmy Butler, guard for the Miami Heat, reportedly punished his teammates after a loss to the Magic in the locker room by blasting Nickelback in the locker room. Now, I feel like Tyler Hero was probably the only one that was really pissed off about that. I would have been pretty pumped. I'm sure even after a loss, I would have been trying to maintain composure, but been over by my locker with my mouth covered with, you know, you have to do like the cover with the towel or cover with the jersey. I'd have been over there like, and they say that a hero can save us. I'm not going to stay here and wait. I hold on to the wings of an eagle. Watch his bow fly away. Yeah. Okay. Are they the ones that did the uh, the the rock star song? Yes. See, see now. You know what I mean? There's some heat there. That means there's some elements that that I, I listen. Anything in repetition is punishment, in my opinion. Sure. Uh, at, at a certain point in time, unless you're a sociopath, like I can be at certain points in time, but. He must have. He knows his team more than we do. He struck a chord. I imagine just like when he uh, had his pickup basketball game with the, uh, the the Timberwolves back in the day. He got he got the right people's attention. I'm gonna look and see because this was a couple of days ago. I to the point about knowing your teammate. I just want to see what Tyler Hero's stat line was in the next game. <laughs> in the next game. All right, here we go. Oh, so. Man. Looking at the Heat schedule, they play. They lost to the Magic, and then the next game was against the Utah Jazz. Let's see the box score here and see who did well. Jimmy Butler had 24 points. The second leading scorer was uh, was uh, Gabe Vincent and Tyler Hero, tied with 18 points apiece. So <laughs> he knew how to reach the right people, hey. man. He knew Tyler Hero among all. People in that locker room would not fuck with Nickelback. You know what? Let's go back and check and see what was Tyler Hero's stat line in the game against Orlando. Ooh, if maybe he was the ooh. one that they were trying to reach. We gotta be on the ID channel. This is uh, you know what? Journalism. Tyler Hero had 14 points in that game, so not too. Jimmy Butler had 38 hey. points in that game. Tyler Hero was tied for the second leading scorer with Bam Adebayo with 14 points in that game. So got a four point uptick there. Maybe that's worth the Nickelbacking. Yes, because I think after that game of 13 points, Jimmy Butler went to his locker. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to stand here and wait. You know, I, I, <laughs> he goes, hey, guys, listen, <laughs> we all just want to be big rock stars and live in hilltop houses, driving 15 cars. And the girls might come easy mm. and the drugs might come tre- cheap. Mm. But we're all going to stay skinny if we just don't go out here on the court and eat. Mm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And, and guess what? You got your contracts. You'll hang out in the private rooms. <laughs> <laughs> if you were going to punish, if someone was going to punish you with a song in the locker room, Brandon, what would that song be? Oh, man. That's 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 a difficult because I'm going to sh- uh, expose myself. But Please don't. One of the more difficult things about being in Notre Dame was just being drowned with Dave Matthews band music. It was just All right. just yeah. I'm telling you, Mike. <laughs> Mike, I'm telling you, it was punishment. And I thought I thought I was like being like 
you know when you like have the thing you're like okay this just isn't my thing no uh at the late show with david letterman while i was working there there's a thing called um last stage and the jerry foley the director at letterman would put on a concert at the late show for all the acts that their first television like the first television first time they were on television was on the late show he would come they would come back and they would do a concert for their fans and people would pay to come in and as pages we got to go to a lot of those mike when we went to the dave matthews band one the the way people around me were dancing and moving to the music that I was hearing in my ears, it was some Shutter Island shit. I was like, I have to get out of here. I don't know what's going on. Bro, Dave does weird things to people. That was the coming of it. It's, it's, it's something like in the core. Like, it's like, if you don't, if you don't, if you haven't had the specific juice in the, like you, you missed it. Brandon. Like you may, you may, your ears may aren't, aren't ready for it. Dave Matthews was the biggest concert that came to Connecticut. Unsurprisingly, every summer it was, the first place I ever saw someone do cocaine. It was the first thing I saw getting out of the car in the parking lot as a 14-year-old in high school, a guy just loading up on coke to go listen to a 40-minute didgeridoo solo in Bartender. I saw a 20-person street brawl that included bottles getting broken over people's head. I had friends that were hit with rubber bullets in years past to break up fights at Dave Matthews, and I saw multiple people have sex up on the lawn out in Connecticut at what was the Hartford Meadows. It does the weirdest shit to white people. I can't explain it. Mike, but I will say this, though. Like, people that I know have racist ideologies. I've seen them say some of the most glowing things about black people explaining members of their band. Like, the the, the level of detail that they go into <laughs> explaining these individuals in their band. And it's like, and they're black. It's so great. Like, and they're on this band, right? Like, you wouldn't think. I was like, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think. Dear God. <laughs> Anyways, throw it back to you, Mike. Uh, what what music would you hear uh, have to listen to for punishment? Uh, if I was going to punish people, I'd play the Cars for Kids jingle. <laughs> One, eight, seven, 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 seven cars, cars for Kids. K-A-R-S, Cars for Kids. One, eight, seven, seven, Cars for Kids. Donate your cars today. Yeah. Was that all tri-state? Yeah, they have like the they oh, have like okay. the alt rock version too. The thing that always pissed me off about the Cars for Kids TV ad was if you look in the ad, they do the rock version, and they got these kids. They got a kid in a drum kit, yeah. kid playing bass, kid playing guitar. Uh-huh. None of them are actually playing the instrument. Like, if you're gonna do the jingle as your thing, I'm sure there's enough kids with ambitions of getting into the music industry. Could you not have yeah. found kids that could actually wail a little bit? We've all seen School of the Rock. There's talented kids out there that can actually <laughs> oh, shred. Man. Let them cook, hey. and maybe that commercial wouldn't be such an abomination. Shout out to Miranda Cosgrove. No, like that. That is that is unfortunate, Mike. I do. That's a good angle, though. Like the car, com- any of those commercials. Can really make someone go crazy. Now, I, I would say, like, one that would get me motivated if you hit, like, the J.G. Mm-hmm. Wentworth 877 Cash Now. Ooh. The, op- hey. the opera one. 877 Cash Now. I have, I have a structured, structured settlement, settlement, but I need mm. cash now. Call J.G. Wentworth 877, 877 cash, cash Now. I have enough 
continuity. Um, I had to look up what they did at one point in time, like years into <laughs> it. But Mike, let me say this. <laughs> let me say this because it makes sense. Like you know, if somebody dies, and you're like, "Where's I'm, I need my money now?" Like, okay, but anyway, uh, <laughs> everybody's on the bus. Needs JG, <laughs> JG Wentworth <laughs> riding public buses. Okay, listen to this. That education connection song, Mike. Ooh. When they start doing a remix of them, and they start, and that little Avril Lavigne girl start rapping about education connection. Right, college for free. Education get connected for free at education connection. Like that was the only thing that would start rivaling uh, the if well the JG Wentworth commercials. If artificial intelligence ever takes jingles from us. That oh, is when oh, oh. I will truly plant my flag in the uh, middle of the robot revolution and destroy everything. If you take our okay. jingles, we have nothing. Listen, Mike, I know we're going to end this podcast, but I have to say this. AI has ruined my brain. Like, I don't know what commercial or show is real or not, but we're just watching this Jared Fogle uh, documentary. My, my wife is watching. Michelle's watching it. The the It's like taking down a monster it's like the person that snuck in and took down Jared Fogle the amount of fast food I eat and then Hulu I watch and then the main person to help Jared take Jared Fogle down is from Sarasota Florida they keep showing shots of Sarasota I was like I don't know if this is an AI generated narrative that we're eating because it's just <laughs> taking in all of our IP and spitting back out something that we would watch for hours but I don't believe anything I'm seeing anymore if you don't believe what you heard on this podcast, especially at the end, I would totally understand it. If you somehow enjoyed Brandon's <laughs> Brandon's simulation theory musings and horny mascots, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Everyone, make sure you get out and vote at Gojo Show on Twitter in the Some Shining Moments bracket music region we will get back at it with the last two regions monday and tuesday in the first round thanks so much enjoy march madness talk to you monday boom money in the bank